Thanks for joining the Eventive Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host and event mentor, Sarah Brush, event professional for over two decades. My goal for this podcast is to share how events and sponsorships can help you build community, make an impact, and grow your business, and have lots of fun while doing it. By the way, don't forget to check the episode notes for valuable event resources exclusively for you. I appreciate you spending this time with me. Let's get this party started. Hey, welcome to the Eventive Entrepreneurs Podcast. So excited to have you here. And who can relate to when you're either gonna, if you have a podcast and you're about to interview someone or press record to do a solo episode, or you're getting on an important meeting to present and all of a sudden everything happens outside your window or your house. So on one side of the house right now where I'm recording outside, the neighbor is having like a huge renovation done in their backyard. And then my husband is now decided that he is going to stain these two chairs and sand them down right now. <laughs> so if you hear some background noise, uh, that is what it is. Let's get right into the episodes. Today, I want to share about what I would not do if I was hosting an event. And not to look at that in a negative standpoint, but just to share some things that you may want to avoid or just kind of reconsider when you are starting to plan out your event. So number one is negotiating with vendors to the point that it hurts the relationship. So I'm all about negotiating. I think it's great to have a healthy negotiation where both parties feel like they have value in what the end result is. But I've seen many times where people will really just negotiate, negotiate, and try to get the cheapest price they can possibly get. And you have to remember that and, and with anything in business, like this is someone's business. This is, you know, the price that they put out there that they feel that they are providing the value that's worth that price. So it's really being conscious of that relationship and that you are going to be working with this vendor on your event and you want them to be fully invested and really care. And so you have to kind of walk that fine line of, you know, feeling like you're getting a good price for what you are receiving in return, but making sure that you're honoring the pricing of that vendor and that relationship and making sure that, you know, if you do negotiate that both parties feel good about it in the end, and you feel like that is something that you can both move forward with 100% feeling good about it and ready to take on your event. Number two is that I would not launch an event without the back end of my business in order. You are going to be managing marketing, social media, registration for your attendees, the customer service support that people need when they are registering for your event or they have signed up already. You're going to have your team that's going to be helping you with event tasks if you have a team or if you hire someone to support you. So just making sure that you have everything ready to go. So when you launch, you can really put all of your effort and energy into sharing about the event and being on filling that room, but not trying to figure out, oh no, what platform should I use for this? Or it's we're having a hard time managing registrations and sending out emails because we didn't have everything set up in advance. So I would make sure all of that is in order before you launch your event. Number three, I would not launch an event if I had less than three months to promote it. Now, this can vary depending on your event. If you have a small one-day event that's a couple hours, smaller attendance, there's always going to be one-offs that work fine with less than three months. But in general, 
I feel like it's very important to have a long runway to promote your event just so you can give people time to plan and to get it on their schedule and make sure that you have that runway to be able to execute everything you need to do to share about the event, to plan the event, to get people excited and want to sign up. And sometimes there'll be really great events that have awesome agendas, awesome speakers, but then you just don't have enough time to get the event out there and for people to register and just you lose that audience. So I would make sure that you have a good amount of time to promote your event. I love like the six month mark, but it all depends on the event and the details around that. So you can kind of look at your event and, and what makes sense for you. I would not host an event. This is number four if I was not okay with breaking even. And this could be different if you've been doing events for a while and you know that you make revenue on your event, then that's a completely different story. But if you're just starting to host an event and you're planning to do it to monetize and that is one of your, your biggest you know points for doing an event, I would think about that because a lot of times events are marketing expenses at first and sometimes they continue to be marketing expenses. There's a lot of people that do make money on their events that doesn't always start right away. And you have to really think about like, is this an event something I want to do if it does end up breaking even, you know, there's so many benefits around that. And a lot of people make their money on what their offer is. So you might not make money from your ticket sales, but maybe you make money from the membership that you're going to launch at the end of the event. And that's a lot of times where people say they monetize their event. It's off their actual offer. But just making sure that you're looking at the potential numbers and you're realistic around that. Number five, I would not sell sponsorships or booths if I did not plan to make them a priority on the agenda. When I'm talking about this, I mean, if you're going to sell sponsorships that have booths or just vendor booths in general, you need to make sure that you are looking at your agenda and finding the time that people are going to be able to visit with your vendors. Many times people do this where they can visit them during registration or lunch or a welcome reception. But I've also seen event hosts where they don't have a specific time on the agenda and it's basically like visit the vendors when you can. And usually that means when they're like walking out to the bathroom or maybe they're going out for a really short break to grab something. You want the vendors and sponsors to feel really valued and incorporated into the event. So make sure that if you want to have sponsors and you want to have vendor booths, that you really are able to make that a priority for your event and also just their location to make sure that you have space for them in an area that is gonna give them high visibility. You know, you don't want them down the hall where people aren't gonna see them or not incorporating them into experiences that you have going on. So just something to think about on the area of sponsorships. Number six, I would not spend a lot of money on wow factors if I did not have enough money to just cover the important elements that impact attendees. So I would focus on you know, the food and beverage, if I'm offering meals or breaks or coffee service and the type of speakers and content, the experiences that the attendees are going to have, such as are they going to have photo booths where they can really network and connect and share on social media and promote your event for you. I would look at some of those things versus Maybe you want to have a huge like installation that's really cool that, you know, people are going to talk about, which is awesome. And I love that too. But I'd also focus on what are the things that they can interact with that they're going to feel like when they leave the event that that made a difference in their experience. And those wow factors are really fun and there's something that people can talk about. So if you have the budget for that, that's great. But really, the point of this is to look at your budget and make sure that you have the must-haves and nice-to-haves 
in your budget separated so you're aware of you know what are you going to have to spend no matter what for this event or what is your priorities items and then what are those just really cool things that you know you can add later if you have money for it number 7 is i would not promote one price for registration and not have a deadline of when that price ends so i wouldn't go out and say here, sign up for my event. My event's in five months and the price is $2.99. Because now people are going to say, okay, well, I have a couple months till the event. Not sure what I'm going to do yet. I'll just sign up right before the event if I want to go. Instead, you would want to say, I have the special early bird or special offer rate that's going to expire, you know, two weeks from now. Sign up to get this special rate. Also, everybody who signs up by this date is going to be put in a drawing to win a giveaway, which maybe is a one-on-one -on -one session with you or something that a giveaway that you could offer. Just making sure that you are providing a sense of urgency around signing up for the event. So people really know, like, I need to sign up by this date to make sure I get the lower lowest price and just giving them that opportunity to do that and not just leave it open-ended because that's not a really benefit for them or for you because you know that your event is going to be, you know, an incredible opportunity for them and you want to give them what they need to sign up for it. Number eight, I would probably not book an event at a resort if I didn't plan to have a larger food and beverage minimum, which is the amount of food and beverage that you need to purchase to be able to host that event. Otherwise, you would have to pay for any fees if you don't reach that amount. Or if I wasn't going to book hotel rooms. So with resorts, they really like to have a higher room block because that's where they make their money as well as, you know, a larger food and beverage minimum. And that is where they end up giving you lower cost meeting space or free meeting space if you have more hotel rooms or a larger food and beverage minimum. So if you don't have that, I would look at other event venues that maybe you can bring in your own food and beverage. There's not a lot of price difference because you don't have hotel rooms to book, things like that. And again, I, you should look at all the venues that you're interested in, but I have found that it's a lot harder and more expensive to host hotel or resort events if you do not plan to do a room block for hotels or be okay with a little bit larger and more expensive food and beverage minimum. Now, again, like I mentioned on uh, some of these other tips, there's always going to be some situations where this may not be the case. Number nine, I would not want to go back to people that registered and ask them questions that I could have collected all at one time when they did register. Think a lot about what information do you want from the attendees that's going to help you move forward with the event. Do you want to ask them questions like, what do you want to get out of the event? If you could get one thing from this event, what would it be? If you could meet one type of person at this event, who would it be? Do you have any allergies or dietary restrictions that we need to know about. These are all things that you, well, you'll definitely want to ask the dietary if you're offering food. But some of these other questions about what they want to get from the event, I love that when event hosts ask these type of questions. So it really helps you to think about who's going to be there and what are they hoping to get from the event and even like who they might want to meet, like what type of business, what type of person, because this can help you do a little bit of matchmaking or at least kind of seeing what people's focus is. So make sure that you ask everything you need right around um, the time that they register on the site. So you don't have to kind of email back and have people you know, submit additional information. Number 10, I would not go on site to an event without an on-site schedule that has everything detailed out about what's happening at every moment of the event with somebody assigned to every task and then also somebody to oversee the event and be that main contact. 
So if you are hosting an event, you definitely want a team in place to support you on site. You can have event volunteers. Many people will volunteer for free just to have the opportunity to go to your event. You can have a lead volunteer, somebody that you maybe know and really trust that can be the main contact. So if there are other volunteers that have questions or need anything, they can go to this person. You can hire a day of event planner if you don't have an event planner for planning that can be there. Help make sure everything's run smoothly behind the scenes and work with all of the volunteers. Because when you're you know, hosting your event, you want to be completely dedicated to the speaking that you're doing, the attendees to be able to connect with them and do those things that are really important for the event versus worrying about logistics like the coffee ran out or the, the sign isn't in the right location. You want to have somebody or a team that is going to really be able to help you with that. So you don't have to worry about those behind the scenes things. And you can focus on this event that you have on your heart that is now coming to life. I hope these 10 tips were valuable for you. If you have any questions, feel free anytime to reach out to me at Event of Brush. Also, one of my favorite things to do with event host is strategy calls. So we can meet and talk about your event, what the overall goals are, what your outcome is that you want for the event, what is your call to action gonna be, talk about any of the logistics around the venue, your vendors, sponsorship. So the strategy calls are really a 60 minute call to just discuss anything that you need help with or that you wanna ask questions about to make sure that you have somebody that has an expert opinion in that area being able to guide you and also includes different templates and things like that that can be really valuable when you start planning your event or if you are even in the middle of planning your event. You can connect with me on Instagram and I can share some of those details and I hope to see you. Well, I guess I won't see you, but I hope you come back for the next episode and I would love to hear about any takeaways that you are getting from this content. Thank you so much for listening. I know your time is valuable and I appreciate it that you spent it with me. If you are enjoying this podcast, I would love, love if you can rate it five stars and write a review. This helps us get the podcast out to more people. And if you want to connect, I am on Instagram at Eventer Brush and I would love to hear from you. Thanks and have a great day.